For podcasts, articles, and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. This is Mark McCloskey on fire on News Talk STL. Well, you know, the big news this week is Kim Gardner, the uh, Soros sponsored circuit attorney for the city of St. Louis, after gloriously saying that nothing would make her leave office, has uh, announced her resignation. Well, you know, it kind of cheered me up a little bit since I had some personal experience with Kim Gardner. But, uh, you know, we'll go back a little bit in time. Let's talk June 27th, 2020. I never heard the name Kim Gardner before. I'd lived in the city of St. Louis for 30-some years at that time, 33, I think, by then. I, I, I vaguely knew that there was something called the circuit attorney. I vaguely knew that they were probably a Democrat because everybody in elected office in the, in the city of St. Louis was a Democrat. But, you know, I never figured on breaking the law or doing anything where uh, knowing who the circuit attorney was would be relevant to my life. And then we, uh, we have a visit from some friends uh, from the city of St. Louis. You know, one of my, one of my friends, Corey Bush, uh, although I didn't know her then, we've become good friends since, and my friend Rasheen Aldridge, who once again I didn't know then, but we've become pretty good friends since since they invited themselves into my neighborhood. Um, but uh, you know, so I'll digress just a little bit so, to lay the foundation. As we all remember, in the spring of 2020, we had the George Floyd effect. Here is a career, career criminal that died with three times a fatal dose of fentanyl in his system, who became the cause celeb of the uh, of the Western world. All of a sudden. His death while being arrested by cops, while he was resisting arrest from the cops, um, uh, became the reason to burn down the country, became the reason for something called Black Lives Matter to become the, uh, the custodians of billions of dollars of donated money, caused the rise of something called Antifa in the United States, whose stated goal was to do as much damage as possible and burn and loot and murder and such and such. Well, uh, we had a little branch of that in St. Louis. It's an organization called Expect Us St. Louis. Expect Us St. Louis was headed by, once again, Cori Bush, now United States Congresswoman Cori Bush, and Rasheen Aldridge, uh, formerly you know, uh, Missouri State Representative Rasheen Aldridge, but now he's, uh, he's gotten himself elected to the uh, Board of Aldermen here in the city of St. Louis. So I guess he, he figures he can do more direct damage in a small pond than being in the minority party in the big pond. So anyway, I digress. But, uh, you know, my wife and I were, and our daughter were sitting out in the east patio uh, barbecuing some pork on a Sunday afternoon when all of a sudden the mob crashes through our gate, storms into our front yard, threatens to kill me, rape and murder my wife, burn down the house, kill our dog, burn down my office building. And we had the, uh, the uh, audacity to defend our property and our lives, exercising our Second Amendment rights. And so we uh, held off the mob. And I figured, you know, uh, we didn't shoot anybody, didn't pull off a shot, but we did do what the uh, Second Amendment of the United States Constitution allows us to do, and that's uh, defend ourselves. And uh, But, you know, as the crowd started to thin, and as the uh, the immediate threat to our lives started to diminish somewhat, I looked out in that crowd 
and I saw a sea of cell phones. And I figured that wasn't going to end well because the tenor of the United States from the death of George Floyd up to that Sunday evening on June the 28th of 2020 was that the riot should be allowed to continue. The uh, the, the stupidest woman ever elected at high office, uh, Kim Garner, not Kim Garner, <laughs> um, uh, Kamala Harris, uh, announced that the riots will continue and they should continue. Maxine Waters was in favor of it. Uh, George, uh, <laughs> um, everybody was in favor of George Floyd. I'll, I'll digress once more. Ted Cruz, the senator from Texas, the alleged champion of the Constitution and, and the right, had a picture of George Floyd in angel wings on his Facebook page and gave a eulogy for George Floyd, calling him a role model for America. Then I got a career criminal who uh, uh, was in prison for five years for a house invasion assault on, I think, a pregnant woman, um, who then dies of a fentanyl overdose while resisting arrest, becomes a, uh, a role model for America. And you can't burn, kill, or loot enough to make up for his death because, after all, that's how justice is accomplished in the country these days, that whenever you can fake up a good excuse to get mad at white people, you should pillage, burn, murder, and rape. And so they did that all across the country, and nobody stopped it. Nobody stood up against it. Everybody that, uh, you know, Donald Trump wanted to call out the National Guard to go assist people in various cities, and the mayors all refused it. The governors all refused it. Because, after all, it's just what we deserve for being white people, for being the, uh, the oppressors, and therefore we need to get a little bit of retribution. Well, my wife and I made a commitment that we weren't going to let it happen to us, that if the mob came our direction, we weren't going to take it sitting down. And so we stashed some guns around the house, and when the mob did, um, let's see, peacefully walk by our house by breaking down the gate, storming in, threatening to kill us, we grabbed our guns and we defended our house. But like I said, when I saw that sea of cell phones, the first thing that came to my mind is this is too big of an event for the woke left to let it go. And so we knew that we were going to get arrested for something. And this is when I first learned of the existence of our very own homegrown, George Soros-funded circuit attorney, Kim Gardner. And I saw the little wheels of mechanism going, churning in her brain, thinking, how can I maximize my political power? How can I maximize my national appearance? How can I garner the most control over the circuit attorney's office and ensure my political career the most, and that's by prosecuting the McCloskeys and coming out against the McCloskeys, Governor Mike Parson, Attorney General Eric Schmidt, and the evil white establishment of the state of Missouri in the United States of America. So we, uh, we had a pretty good idea we were going to get arrested for something. And uh, we didn't know what. Um, but, you know, and and, and nice thing is that, that uh, President Trump came out immediately and, and supported us and Eric Schmidt came out immediately and supported us, and Governor Parsons came out immediately and supported us. And then the second assault in our house happened on July the 3rd, where uh, the uh, Antifa organization in this Expect Us St. Louis decided to come back with a 1,000 people expressly to kill us and burn down the house. And we had help from the White House, and we had help from some ex-Navy SEALs, and we had some help from a bunch of uh, secondary employment police officers. And once again, we held off the mob. But now this really, 
really pissed off the left because now we twice in a row, instead of buckling under and instead of apologizing, we stood up a second time. And ladies and gentlemen, if I had been the managing partner of the largest law firm in St. Louis that Monday morning after the first assault in our house, I would have had to go on the apology tour. I'd have to apologize for being born, apologize for being white, apologize for being successful, and I'd still get fired, and I'd still be unemployable to this day in any mainstream law firm because that's what happens. If you affront the left, that's the only unforgivable crime in America. So, you know, you've heard this story before, but the bottom line is that Kim Gardner then charges my wife and I with two Class E felonies that would cost us four years in the slammer, cost us our law licenses, ruin our lives, ruin our careers, all for her political advantage. Because, you know, oddly enough, St. Louis is kind of a dangerous place. A lot of people get killed here. A lot of people get robbed here. A lot of people get raped here. A lot of people have their cars stolen here. A lot of serious felonies happen in St. Louis. But nothing is as serious a felony as standing up against the left. Nothing is as serious a felony as being the first people in the country to stand up against Antifa and say, hell no, it ain't going to happen here. And so um, we, uh, we uh, started you know, sleeping like firemen because we were told they were going to Roger Stone us and flashbang the house and break down the front doors at 4 o'clock in the morning and haul us out in our tidy whities before the waiting press. And so we started sleeping like firemen with our pants and our bootlegs and that sort of thing. And, uh, and, and eventually, and I've told this story on this program before, but when we heard they were going to do it that day, we uh, arranged things differently. We put a big sign in the door that's saying, these doors haven't done anything wrong. Don't break them. Uh, if you want to arrest us, call this number and we'll turn ourselves in. We uh, put out some lawn chairs in the front porch, uh, mixed up a pitcher of margaritas, and uh, when we got back uh, delivering what we thought would be our bond to our, our lawyers, we laid out on the front porch in our lounge chairs and drank our margaritas and spoiled their fun. We actually saw the uh, urban assault vehicles parked around the corner where they're all set to come on and, and assault us. But, you know, it's no fun arresting people that, that are having fun with it. And so they relented, and we were allowed to just uh, present ourselves. But that's, that's how I learned about how the city of St. Louis really works. And that's how I learned how Kim Gardner really works. And the next thing is, after we get charged— and after they issue a search warrant and take the two guns we used that day, we then uh, find out that Kim Gardner is using Patty and myself in her advertising campaign, in her propaganda to raise money for a re-election campaign, mentioning that she was going to get us and Mike Parson and Eric Schmidt and all the evil white people that are, have caused all the poor blacks in St. Louis to be downtrodden for all these years. And, uh, you know, fortunately, we could prove that. Unfortunately, the courts in St. Louis recognize that as a impermissible bias on the part of the prosecutor's office, and uh, we uh, got her removed, and the entire circuit attorney's office removed from prosecuting our case because of their bias and their prejudice against us. Well, once again, um, you know that's that's Kim Gardner. While she was doing this to us, she was letting thousands of real felonies go unprosecuted. I think that there was something like five or 6,000 serious felonies that weren't being prosecuted in the city of St. Louis while Kim Gardner is occupying her life prosecuting us for the crime of standing on our own front porch and not doing anything other than protecting ourselves. Well, you know, what goes around comes around, as people say. 
we, uh, we, and I'll digress once more. You know, she, uh, once we, once we found out who she was and we started looking into it, we have uh, found her connection with uh, ex-governor Eric Greitens problem and how, uh, you know, when, if she had just done her job properly, if she just wanted to like enforce the law and not cheat and not lie and not suborn perjury and all these kinds of things, who knows? She might've actually uh, convicted Eric Greitens of something, but no, because she had to do it the crooked way, because she had to do it the George Soros way, because she had to do it in a way that represented everything that the left stands for. And that means lying about everything you possibly can, faking evidence if you don't have any real evidence, and making sure that everything you do makes it on the front page of the paper. Because once again, if you say it to the people long enough, they'll actually believe it. Well, and as a result of that, and I, and I you know, will put it in perspective. What we did in standing on our front porch and defending ourselves and exercising our Second Amendment rights won us a misdemeanor uh, because the governor can't pardon us in Missouri unless we've actually been found guilty of something. If we had gone to trial on the felony charges, we'd have been found guilty because we don't have a jury of our peers here in the city of St. Louis. we got a jury pool of people that would hate us and convict us of anything. And even if the governor were to pardon us, that felony conviction, even with a a governor's pardon, would prohibit us from practicing law the rest of our lives and cost us our law licenses. As it is, we uh, got put on probation for a year, got our law licenses suspended for not less than six months with uh, a probation for a year. All right. What did Kim Gardner get for suborning perjury, for faking evidence, for doing all the things she did in connection with both the prosecution of uh, Governor Greitens and us? What did she get? What, it was a $750 fine and a a don't do it again from the Bar Association? So here it is. After totally destroying the circuit attorney's office, after letting innumerable serious uh, felons go free, including a guy named Brandon Campbell that killed the brother of one of my clients, um, when the evidence was dead bang on video and because nobody showed up at any hearing, and nobody showed up when the court ordered them to show up to show cause why they shouldn't be held in contempt, the court had to let that murderer go free. And that's not the only one. That's just one example of dozens. Right now at the time that Kim Gardner decided to throw in the towel, she's being held in contempt by Judge Noble in the city of St. Louis. And guess what? Even though Kim Gardner tells everybody it's only the evil, white, Christian, Republican men, these MAGA extremists, that are causing her all her problems. Um, Judge Noble's a, a, an African-American gentleman, uh, so it's pretty hard to claim that he's biased against her because of her race. Well, so last Saturday, Kim Gardner's at the Central Baptist Church blaming white people, blaming racism, blaming evil MAGA Republicans for harassing her and not giving her an even break and saying that no matter what, they're going to stand up and fight, that her community, her people are going to fight and they and she will never quit. And uh, one of her supporters says, well, we'll stay with her until the wheels fall off. This is a great philosophy for leadership, right? Drive the vehicle estate until it self-destructs in front of you. And that's exactly what she did with the circuit attorney's office. Well, a couple of days after saying she won't leave for nothing, I ain't going nowhere, I ain't doing nothing, you're going to have to haul me out of here, she throws in the towel. And ladies and gentlemen, thank God she did, and here's how I celebrated last night. Well, here's to the resignation of Kim Gardner. 
the city of St. Louis will be much safer. There is justice, there is a God, and justice and God have prevailed. Thank you very much. You've been hit by, you've been struck by a smooth criminal. Get more Mark McCloskey at NewstalkSTL.com. This is Mark McCloskey on fire on News Talk STL. For podcast articles and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. Mark McCloskey on fire. This is Mark McCloskey on fire on News Talk STL. Well, you know, uh, for those of us who are old enough to remember Ho Chi Minh, when he was the uh, dictator of North Vietnam, had a statement that's always stuck in my head. He said, the Americans could never win in Vietnam because the Americans think in terms of today and tomorrow, and we think in terms of forever. And brother, is that true? The, the American people are like sheep. They get led one direction or the other by their, by their global elitist masters, they're told to think good is bad and bad is good and, and told to believe both at the same time. And the global elite uses that ability, our, our short memory, and our ability to believe what we're told in the mainstream media, if they tell it to us long enough, to destroy us, to demean us, to reduce our morality, to lead us into that, that endless morass of moral and religious relativism where anything goes as long as the media tells us to do it. And so... You know, one of the things that, that uh, struck me because of uh, something I saw on the news the other day is that how the media has transformed the concept of sexuality in the United States over a period of my lifetime. Um, here's a, here's a uh, kind of the concept of traditional American Western culture values. They're men and they're women. Uh, they grow up. They get married, they reproduce, they have children, and uh, they pass on their moral and political and social beliefs to their kids, and that's a, that's a glue that holds society together. Well, a society that is held together by God and family isn't subject to being controlled by the power elite, so therefore they have to destroy that. They have to erode our morality, they have to erode our family structure, they have to replace God with government and uh, the state with family, or family with state, I should say. Um, and so one of the things that, that struck me throughout my lifetime was how during that, that, that brief 66 years I've been on the planet, the powers that be have manipulated us regarding the concept of sexuality. One of my undergraduate degrees is in sociology and specifically in deviance. And when I was uh, studying deviance uh, in the late 70s in, in college, one of the things that was recognized was that, that homosexuality gave people who were kind of like social misfits a social identity as members of a deviant subclass. They would, they would uh, find camaraderie in themselves. On the other hand, the, uh, the straight world always considered since time immemorial um, that uh, homosexuality was an aberration, that it was um, abnormal, and that it represented a personality uh, disorder or a mental disorder. In, in fact... Um, there's something called the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, which lists all the diagnoses for all the mental disorders, and it's, it's updated from time to time. And I think uh, back in 1968, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, second version, 
um, described homosexuality as a mental disorder, and it was treated as such. And people were actually tried to uh, deprogram people who were uh, homosexual in those days, just as some people are doing today, with some success. But there was tremendous social pressure from the mainstream media as long ago as the late 60s to normalize homosexuality, to make it not an aberration, not a mental disease, but to make it something different, something acceptable to -to day-to-day society. Well, by 1973, the American Psychiatric Association redefined homosexuality not as a mental disorder, but as sexual orientation disturbance, okay? Downgraded it to just a disturbance from a mental illness. But that wasn't good enough, right? Because that still gave them a negative inference by definition. And so the media and the, and the, uh, the woke mob, which was woke back in the 70s, not as woke as it is today, but we're still pushing for all these same ideals. In, uh, by 1987, the uh, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual made no reference whatsoever to homosexuality as being anything. It ceased to exist. Um, all of a sudden, there was no distinction between homosexual population and heterosexual population. But now, here we are, 2023. Now the, uh, the DSM-5 describes gay affirmative psychotherapy, right? Not only is being homosexual no longer a mental disease, no longer is it a disturbance, but now it is something which has to be affirmed because it is, as they always try to tell us, a superior lifestyle. You have to be proud to be gay. You have to, you have, to have the courage to be, to be homosexual. And therefore, when you, just, when you come out as a homosexual, you have to now show your superior status to the rest of the world. I don't see a whole lot of heterosexual people going around the street saying, hey, I'm heterosexual, I'm proud of it. But by gosh, you, you do now if you're gay. And then we got something different. We got something called, well, it used to be called um, gender identity disorder, okay? And that was men who want to be women and women who want to be men. Different from uh, homosexuality because it's not men that are attracted to men or women that are attracted to women. It's not even transvestitism because it's not men dressing as women or women dressing as men. These are, these are people that although born men want to be women and women born genetically women that want to be men and want to have their bodies surgically altered to fit that description. Well, this was uh, uniformly recognized as a mental illness until recently. And from some of us, we still think it's recognized as a mental illness. But for those of us in the, uh, in the liberal media and academia and government, um, we had to soften that mental illness into other things. And it takes time because you can't convince people that black is white and white is black overnight. You have to keep convincing them of areas of grayness. And then you have to give them role model examples. All of a sudden, you have to have Bruce Jenner. Um, coming out as a trans, uh, initially everybody says, well, he just wants some publicity because it blooms off his, his rose, so to speak, and he's not getting any publicity, so let's have a stunt. But uh, um, in, the, in the olding days, which is like before 2013, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual had a, uh, had a diagnosis called gender identity disorder, which uh, applied to people who thought they were a different sex and wanted to become one. It wasn't until 2013 the uh, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, 5th edition, came up with the term gender dysphoria, okay? But it goes back further than that, and I'll digress. 
1949 was the first time that this, uh, this uh, mental illness was de- described in the medical literature. And uh, it was described as psychopathia transsexualis, meaning um, a transsexual um, psychopathology, meaning you're nuts, okay? Um, in 1966, a, a Dr. Harry Benjamin came up with the phrase transsexual, coined that phrase, uh, but as a diagnosis for people with a mental disease. In 1980, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual Third adopted that phrase and created a diagnosis of transsexualism still as a, uh, as a mental disorder. 1994, uh, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual Four comes up with gender identity disorder, which we talked about earlier, and then 2013, gender dysphoria. Um, and it, it's not that, that, uh, that the trans people are, are disturbed. I mean, you've got to appreciate what gender dysphoria means. Dysphoria means you're not happy, right? And so gender dysphoria isn't a disease. It's not a mental illness. It's not a disturbance of your mind or your character. Gender dysphoria, uh, dysphoria is because you are, in fact, transsexual, and even though you were born uh, a man and you've now been made into a woman, it's not that you're weird or sick or, dis- uh, or demented or disordered because you want to be a sex that you're not. You're sad. You're, you're caused emotional pain because other people don't accept your new and improved situation. And because you're, uh, you're suffering from that, uh, that, that societal unacceptance, it causes you dysphoria. And therefore, even though you're nuts, right? You're, you're stinking nuts, and you want to have, no pun intended, your nuts cut off so you can become a woman. You're not at fault for being crazy. We're at fault for not making you happy about it, okay? It's our problem, and we need to express the fact that, that oh, it's wonderful that you uh, had your nuts cut off um, or your breast cut off or whatever kind of mutilization you're going to do to yourself. That would be bad enough, except they're doing it to kids, right? Right here in, uh, in good old St. Louis, Missouri, uh, Barnes Jewish Hospital Corporation, our biggest uh, health care institution, if you want to call it health care, has got a center for transgender services, gender-affirming care, as they call it, which means mutilating kids. Now, I'll digress. We don't let kids drive. We don't let kids enter into contracts. We don't let them smoke. We don't let them drink. We don't let them have sex. We don't let them get married. Um, But by God, the powers that be now say that from the age of two or four up, kids should have the power to decide their sexuality which, of course, you know, God had something to do with in the first place, but, you know, God's just, you know, some figment of, of the uh, ultra-mega-conservative, uh, you know, uh, conspiracy. Uh, and so God doesn't have anything to do with that. But kids as young as two or four should be allowed to choose their sexuality, well, based on the, uh, um, you know, pressuring of their school teachers and their librarians and everybody else in the woke mob, and parents will lose their parental rights in state, some states now if they don't approve of their children's mutilation. That's how bizarre this has become. Well, now we've got one that beats that. And the one that beats that is now called transableism, okay? Um, there used to be this, uh, this diagnostic criteria for a mental disorder called body identity disorder. Those are people 
who are born healthy, completely able-bodied, but uh, who believe or wish to believe that they are disabled. They want to think that they're disabled or actually want to have their bodies destroyed so they become disabled. Well, once again, um, that's kind of a harsh term for people that are nuts, right? Uh, because crazy people that want to have their, their legs cut off so that they can be disabled, um, you can't say anything bad about them because that would be, uh, um, you know, like, oh, mean, mean-spirited and stuff. And so they have a new term, and the new term is transableism. And it's, it's rare that the, uh, that the um, you know, liberal media and the woke uh, academia actually tells you the truth. But here's a, here's a quote uh, to Evolution News and Science, to, from Evolution News and Science Today. The point in changing the identifier from a psychiatric uh, condition, a body identity disorder, to an advocacy term, transableism, is to harness the stunning cultural power of gender ideology to, to the cause of allowing doctors to treat body identity disorder patients by amputating healthy limbs, snipping spinal cords, or destroying eyesight. And so there you have it in an absolute nutshell. Why do they change the words? Because you change the words, the liberal media adopts those words, academia adopts those words, and then they punish you socially for not using those words. And they, they are very explicit about it, that once the term transsexual, for example, was adopted, gender identity disorder is an insult. The world was cautioned not to use that phrase anymore because that's an insult. And now that we have transableism, it's an insult to call those people suffering from a body identity disorder. Well, um, I'll give you a couple of examples. In the uh, late 1990s, a Scottish surgeon, Robert Smith, uh, started amputating the legs of perfectly healthy people who wanted to be disabled. Um, give me a couple of other examples here if I can find them quickly. Um, there's a woman who uh, wanted to be both female, well, she's a man, he's a man, but he wanted to be a woman, and he said that, uh, this was in Norway, I'd find the exact quote if I could here very quickly, um, said on uh, Good Morning Norway in 2022 that it had been his lifelong wish to have been born a woman paralyzed from the waist down. There's another article in here where a woman who wished to be blind and her psychotherapist poured poison, poured acid in her eyes to make her blind so she could live out her dream of being born blind. Well, of course, now these people are disabled. Guess what? They get Medicaid. They get welfare. They get Social Security disability because now they're disabled after they have voluntarily hacked off their body parts. Ladies and gentlemen, there's absolutely no question these people are just stinking crazy, Okay. But defining crazy as normal and then redefining us as being sick for not acknowledging the wonderfulness of crazy people cutting off their own body parts is just exactly how the power elite confuses people, distorts reality, and destroys our, our common culture. But if you got, if you got transsexualism and you got transableism, why don't we have transracism, right? Why don't we have transspeciesism? In the Catholic school that my daughter used to go to decades ago, they now have cat boxes in the hallway 
for a transspecies that want to pee in the corner like a cat. I mean, it's a Catholic school. Um, how about uh, transageism? Why can't I pretend to be a 12-year-old, right? Or how about this? Why can't a 12-year-old pretend to be 66 and get Medicare and, uh, and Social Security? Um, I, like, I, I don't think anybody said this before, but how about trans-universism? I want to pretend that I'm from a different planet in a different universe, and therefore I've got, I've got alien status. I'm fleeing a dangerous planet. And therefore, I should have asylum in the United States, and the government should pay for my health care, my kids' education, and all my all my food. And God, it's got to be special food, because on my planet, we don't eat meat, we don't eat vegetables. All our food has to be synthetically produced by Chinese-exclusive uh, rare earth chemicals. And so, there we go. Once again, the whole purpose of all of this, and I sound like a broken record, but all this, all this um, woke crap is just the way that the, the power elite undermines that thing that has held us together for the last 250 years, and it's a common purpose, a common religion, a common set of moral and ethical values, and a strong family and a strong belief, belief in God. And you can't have those things if the government is the only authority. Get more Mark McCloskey at NewstalkSTL.com. This is Mark McCloskey on Fire on Newstalk STL. For podcast articles and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. On Fire. You're listening to Mark McCloskey on Fire on News Talk STL. This is Mark McCloskey, uh, McCloskey on Fire, back on 101.9 News Talk STL 94.1. Um, you know, I addressed the uh, uh, Cape Girardeau County We the People organization about a month ago. And there may be 60 or 70 people there, but I asked, when I first stood up there, I asked this question. I said, How many people in this audience? believe that there is a political solution to our current crisis and not a single hand went up. And, and ladies and gentlemen, I think that represents a serious problem in this country. I, uh, I was out at Cass County uh, last weekend addressing their Lincoln Reagan day dinner. And I posed that same question and I didn't see any hands going up. This is a, at a time in America where we've reached this abyss and people are hopeless about the prospect of pulling ourselves back up, pulling ourselves out of this, this inevitable globalism, this inevitable great reset, this inevitable new world order. When people have lost any belief that we can save ourselves, it's, it's getting to be bad. But look around. Look what we've got. I, I read an article recently by uh, Victor Davis Hanson. He was talking about how America is losing its prestige all over the world by trying to force feed the rest of the world our, our corrupt, immoral philosophies and our social agenda, and our, and our globalist climate agenda. And he pointed out that when, when we withdrew from Afghanistan in that debacle that, that killed 16 American soldiers, including a nice young man here from, from Wentzville, um, that 
as they were pulling out, you could see the rainbow flag flying on the top of the American embassy, that there were George Floyd murals painted on the walls in, in Kabul, um, that we had funded to the uh, amount of over $790 million gender equity classes in Kabul University, that we were having drag queen story hours in uh, um, American bases for kids. Uh, and I saw the other day the Navy is now using drag queens to try to get recruitment because they're falling behind. But that's just part of it. I mean, that this, this worldwide push for immorality or for uh, uh, the woke sexual agenda is not the only thing. Think about, think about the open border. I mean, think about the fact that we now have a completely open southern border, hundreds of thousands of people a month, millions of people a year moving into this country, becoming uh, burdens on the federal government, becoming burdens on the police systems of every place they end up, burdens on the local health system and the school system. And more than that, and more shocking to me, and I've been there, I've seen it, there are kids, unescorted minors, coming over by the tens of thousands that just disappear into the country. There's no accountability. There's no record of where they go. We don't know what they're doing. I saw one young man the other day on television saying, that he's working in a sweatshop because he has to keep working to pay off the cartels that transferred him here so his family doesn't get killed back in Mexico. And yet nobody is doing anything about that. The, uh, the, when I visited one of these youth uh, internment camps, I call it, in uh, McAllen, Texas, it was the creepiest place I've seen in my entire life. And uh, it, was, it was horrific. But what we also saw was some nice, well-dressed young lady in a convertible Mercedes pull up outside stand out for a few minutes, have a young Mexican girl delivered to her, put her in the passenger seat of her Mercedes and drove off. Every indication that that was a transaction. That was somebody that just purchased a human being, slavery, here in the United States of America, totally ignored by the, uh, by the government, fostered by the government, um, aided by the government. And I've seen the Customs and Border Patrol agents, together with the Texas National Guard, actively importing as many illegal aliens as they can. Um, you've got, as I talked about earlier, the LGBTQ plus community being sold as normal. We've got all over the United States, we've got the promotion of drug use and homelessness and the and promotion of free drugs for people that are already dying of drug addiction, promoting homelessness, meaning bums on the streets, pooping on the sidewalk, injecting drugs in open, uh, just basically looking like there's not even a third world nation. I mean, when, when you go to you go to Mexico, you go to Jamaica, you have to go to the most impoverished country in the world to find anything that looks like the average bridge overpass in San Francisco or Los Angeles or even here in, in the city of St. Louis. You've got 7 million men that have, lost, have left the workplace in the United States since COVID and do not wish to reenter it. Seven million men who choose to remain unemployed, and guess who pays for them? We pay for them. We've got government censorship. We've got the disinformation uh, governance board, and now it's secret alternative to monitor what we say, monitor what we're allowed to hear and think, and to control thought, control language. We've got the FBI and the DOJ that are persecuting those of us on the right, uh, persecuting people who are pro-life, persecuting people that are pro-freedom, persecuting people that have the gall to want to be involved in their kids' education. 
We've got school teachers now who are openly admitting that they have to hide what they're teaching from parents because you don't want the parents finding out what kind of racist, sexist, child-grooming crap they're putting down people's throats. Um, We have the government prosecuting January 6ers while ignoring all the BLM and Antifa rioters. We have the Department of Justice and the FBI raiding Mar-a-Lago, indicting Donald Trump while ignoring unprecedented corruption at the top of this government. We have um, tons and tons of evidence that the Biden crime family is taking millions of dollars from China, that there are now uh, recent accusations or a whistleblower that Joe Biden himself as vice president was involved in bribery with a foreign official, and yet the DOJ is absolutely silent on all of that while prosecuting ordinary citizens whenever they have the guts to stand up and fight for freedom. Well, where is the outrage? Ladies and gentlemen, where is the outrage when all these things happen? How come every Republican senator and every Republican congressman isn't standing on the steps of the Capitol building screaming, you can't have things like a disinformation governance board of the United States, but you don't see it. The leaders of our, our alleged Republican Party are as in on it as anybody else. They're deathly silent. When the FBI raids Mar-a-Lago, the home of the ex-president of the United States, who I still consider to be president of the United States, Mitch McConnell did not say a word. Kevin McCarthy didn't say a word. But, you know, whenever I'm out, I always recite the Declaration of Independence. And I always say, um, did my backdrop fall down on me there? Yeah. Oh, well, things happen. You know, the unpredictability of the modern world. But here is, here's what Thomas Jefferson wrote. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that amongst these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and that to secure these rights, governments are instituted amongst men, securing their just powers from the consent of the governed. Okay? And that's where I usually stop. Because here's what the real world is. All these things going on, the corruption of our government, the corruption of our children, the mutilation of children for transgender, body-affirming care, the drag queen reading hour, all these things exist because we have consented to it. This is the consent of the governed. We've consented to the government overreaching us. We've consented to pornography. We've consented to drug abuse and drug abuse. We've consented to the decimation of our military. We've consented to the invasion of our borders. We've consented to having a corrupt uh, Department of Justice and a corrupt FBI, which are merely the enforcement arm of the left. We have consented to the United States entering into uh, the corrupt and and communist-led World Health Organization, we have consented to this constant progression towards that one-world socialist government. We have consented to all the evils that we see around us. We have consented to the elimination of God from our society, and we have consented to the corruption of our family values and the corruption of our children. We have ceded our God-given rights to a godless elite. We have allowed ourselves to be lured into complacency. We have traded our freedom for comfort. When Dr. Fauci lies to us, and Dr. Fauci causes the unnecessary deaths of thousands or millions, what did we do? When the FBI raids Mar-a-Lago and violates the home 
of the President of the United States and looks through his wife's underwear drawer and his 16-year-old son's closet. What do we do? When every invasion of our God-given rights um, are either ignored by the media or supported by it, what do we do? Nothing. I mean, when the government announced the COVID-19 lockdowns in March of 2020, and they imposed the most draconian restrictions you could possibly imagine, all of which were unconstitutional, telling us we couldn't leave our homes, we couldn't go to work, we couldn't go to church, we couldn't go to school, we couldn't see our own grandparents pass away in a nursing home or in a hospital, we couldn't see the birth of our own children if we were men. What did we do? We did nothing. Was there massive protests in the streets? Was there gridlock in D.C.? Was there a general strike? No. We all went, meh, meh. We'll all follow our shepherd all the way to the, to the slaughterhouse. We have consented to everything. And we've consented, it by doing, consented to it by doing nothing. By believing that our elected officials, by believing that the Mitch McConnells and the Lindsey Grahams of the world were going to save us or protect us, when in fact all they're doing is they're protecting the people that will financially guarantee their next election. And the, and the fear that if they don't say as they're told, they'll be thrown out of office, they'll be ridiculed in the press, and they won't get invited back to meet the press or CNN. We have sold our souls for comfort. We have sold out our God-given rights uh, for out of laziness or complacency, and we have consented to so much godlessness and the question then is, can we ever recover this? Is there ever anything we can do to bring this back? And I, I was having this conversation with the folks at the uh, Cass County Republican Lincoln-Reagan Day dinner uh, a week or so ago, and uh, I spoke right before Missouri State Senator Rick Bratton. And he stood up, and he said, he answered my question in part, and he said, there is no government solution, there is no political solution. Jesus is the only solution. Well, the Lord helps them that helps themselves. And if we're going to solve this problem, if there's any way to solve this problem, we have to start on the morality level. We have to start by reversing the moral decay. We have to start by reversing the social and moral relativism that has been foistered upon us as long as I can remember. And if we're going to do that, we have to do it vocally, we have to do it actively, and we have to do it not by sitting in our chairs and having a drink in our hand and looking at Fox TV or Newsmax or any, any um, podcaster and saying, yeah, man, what we've got to do is get out there and we have to protest. The only way that we're going to survive this situation, the only way that we're going to retain our God-given rights, the only way that we're going to restore those constitutionally enshrined privileges is by, in my humble opinion, mass, peaceful, civil disobedience. And ladies and gentlemen, the next phrase from that Declaration of Independence that I usually don't say because, you know, we've got this big bad government out there which wants to destroy us. But where it says, governments are instituted amongst men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. The next phrase says that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I suggest to you that the current form of government is destructive of those ends, destructive of our unalienable rights, destructive of our right to life, 
liberty and the pursuit of happiness, and in fact is actively working to do everything it can to destroy life, to restrict our freedoms, and make gosh darn sure we're not happy. And ladies and gentlemen, the time has come to voice our, our combined forces to stand together as one against this onslaught of the government and institute a new government, the old government, based by God, Constitution, and the consent of the government. Get more Mark McCloskey at NewstalkSTL.com. This is Mark McCloskey on Fire on Newstalk STL. For podcast articles and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com.